Well, here's, uh, here is what I suspect is a familiar situation. You are at the grocery store, you know, just a few items, right? A loaf of bread, gallon of milk, whatever. Candy bar probably, but it's the, it's the express line. And you're about to step in it when some brute talking loudly on his cell phone with about 50 items in the, in the 12 or fewer crashes in front of you, clueless, and uh, he's either too big or you're too nice to say anything. So you just sort of sit back and resign yourself that you're going to be there for a couple minutes. A couple minutes, right? And, um, and while you're standing there, your, your eyes glance over and you see um, the National Enquirer or whatever magazine is there, but there's some shocking headline, you know. Miami teen gives birth to mermaid, uh, claims father is space alien, pictures on page four. And, and you're just like, oh my goodness, these things are so hokey, they're so bad. But I would like to see the pictures on page four. So you look around to make sure nobody is actually looking at you and with a smirk to suggest, I don't believe any of this. You pick it up and scowling and, you know, there's, there's other headlines and, and they're all equally shocking. You know, Jimmy Fallon and Vladimir Putin, first cousins, and you go, oh, okay, I, I guess I get that. I can see that. Uh, newborn baby sings like Adele, you know, Princess Die and JFK and Elvis uh, live on South Pacific Island, whatever. There's always, there's always these unbelievable claims that are being made in these magazines. So here's my concern. Uh, I, I suspect that there are times when you view the claims found in this book with uh, sort of an equally jaundiced eye. And there are a number of different places where I could turn to and make that claim. But I think uh, today's text does it as well. We get some shocking counsel, some uh, uncommon counsel. We are told that we need to forgive people who wrong us. And we need to do it again and again and again and again and again, and again, and again, right? 70 times 7. That's not a literal number. It's not like, okay, it's 490 times, and so you keep track, and you go, dude, you're at 488. I'm about to be able to let you have it. 7 is the number of perfection, completion. There's this sense of seven to, uh, 70 times 7 is just, it's just, it's, it's infinity. It just keeps going and going and going. And that is a, um, that is a shocking claim. And it's contrary to the way we feel, certainly. When we get wrong, we, we want to we wanna wrong back, right? When we get hit, we want to hit back. When we get hurt, we want to hurt back, right? That's, that's the way we feel. And it's also, this advice we get from Jesus is pretty contrary to the advice uh, we get from other people, which is, you know, well, you know, you know mess me up once, uh, shame on you, mess me up twice, shame on me, because I'm not going to give you the chance to do, you know, to hurt me twice, and uh, if you, you know, if, if it really hurts, then, you know, I, I have to sue or I have to, you know, I have to, I have to do whatever. And Jesus is setting up a very different ethic and calling us into a very different community. So I want to be clear. The Bible's counsel here is outlandish. And if you don't understand, if it's not seeming outlandish to you, I'm not doing my job of communicating how shocking this is. So let me give you some shocking examples. Right? I believe the counsel that Jesus is giving us here would suggest that if you have been abused by somebody, right, molested by somebody, that you need to forgive them. 
I'm suggesting that uh, this advice from Jesus would suggest that those people who lost their life savings, their, their retirement savings, when my fraternity brother launched a $250 million Ponzi scheme and spent, in the course of just a couple years, uh, spent, spent it on 100-foot boats and multiple jets and 300 cars and a 30,000-square-foot house and then wild parties with wild women. And he spent virtually all of the money in a very short period of time. And many people lost their life savings, and the reports are that many people had to come out of retirement and go back to work. And I'm suggesting that uh, Jesus is suggesting that they forgive him for what he did. And uh, I'm going to even go one further. And uh, this is designed to be shocking. Um, There's a picture that I saw years ago that has haunted me since I saw it. Let me put that up there. And, and, uh, well... Um, maybe not. So there is, a, there is a picture that comes out of uh, Rwanda. And it's a girl whose, whose arm, whose hand was cut off. Not because she had cancer or not because there was an accident. But uh, just by idiots, right? Trying to disrupt and hurt and maim and, and do unthinkable things. And so, you know, there's nothing in me that wants to forgive whatever idiot, whatever monster did this to this little girl. Right? I, I, want, I, want, I want to see justice times 10. Right? I want to see that person uh, pay. But the advice we're getting from Jesus is that the way forward is to forgive. And so um, let's dig into this passage. Uh, there's a lot here. And so um, uh, what we're going to be doing is actually taking some of it uh, today and some of it next week. But um, as has already been noted... Uh, Luke 16 and 17, the parables and the teaching have this overarching theme of generosity. And uh, first up, as Jesus teaches about this, is generosity with our finances. It, it always seems to lead, I think it's sort of a case study on these issues, in part because it is uh, something we all deal with, and in part because it's very hard to, uh, it's very hard to lie about something as objective as, as money. Uh, we can lie about some other things. We can fool ourselves, but, but it's sort of a, just a math issue on uh, money. And so um, we're called early on to be um, outrageously generous, pervasively generous, uh, generous going forward. And, um, and now we move on, and there's a call to be generous relationships, generous with our forgiveness. So Jesus said to his disciples, Luke 17, verse 1, Things, um, things that cause people to stumble are bound to happen, okay? So we live in a broken world. We're broken people. We contribute to things going wrong. Sometimes we go looking for trouble. Sometimes trouble finds us. Sins of omission, that we, things that we should do that we don't do. Sins of commission, things that we shouldn't do that we do do. There's all kinds of problems out there. There's all kinds of ways that we are going to stumble and trip. Um, it's just the way things happen. So, things that cause people to stumble are bound to happen. But woe to anyone through whom they come. Um, So, you don't want to cause these things to go wrong. You want to avoid them if you can. You certainly don't want to be the instigator of them. 
Uh, Woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around your neck than for you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourself. So uh, Jesus is saying, a millstone is a big, big stone. It was used in grinding flour, and it's very heavy. And uh, so Jesus is saying, you're better off, think about this, right, as opposed to strapping on a uh, life vest, right, to strap on this big, huge rock that's going to take you to the bottom of the ocean. You'd be better off doing that than you would leading one of these little ones. And scholars are, are not clear whether he's talking about little ones like little kids or little ones like young people uh, in the faith, people who are, who are easily misled and might be, uh, might be more grievously hurt. So um, Jesus doesn't, I mean, generally the counsel here is you don't want to mess other people up in life. You don't want to hurt people. Jesus, Jesus was fine being hurt, right? I mean, he, he, he doesn't sort of lash back when that happens. But when other people are getting hurt, especially the, the oppressed, the little, the ostracized, right? That's when you see uh, Jesus' anger. So it would be better for you uh, to have a millstone tied around your neck than for you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourself. If a brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Okay, now this is very interesting. You've got to pay close attention. Jesus says, if somebody sins against you, right, you need to watch yourself. Now the advice that we generally get is if somebody sins against you, if somebody wrongs you, if somebody steals from you, if somebody hurts you, watch them. Keep them at an, arm's, at an arm's length, right? Don't let them get too close. Don't let them hurt you again. That's not what Jesus says. He says, if somebody hurts you, right, watch your heart because it's going to grow hard. And, and that is not what you want to happen. Watch yourself. If a brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. If they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith, which not necessarily in the Greek, but just in, in reading is like, you've got to be kidding. Uh, we're not going there. We can't do that, right? It just, uh, that doesn't make sense. And then he says, in essence, um, if you just had a little bit of faith, as small as a mustard seed, you could say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. In other words, you don't need that much faith to follow this counsel. So, as I said, there's a lot here, and um, I want to unpack this over the course of the next two weeks, because I think there's a lot of people who get stuck on forgiveness. I think there's a lot of people who get held back relationally, relationships with God, relationships with other people. I think a lot of people carry a lot of, of, uh, just a lot of anger, a lot of, there's just a lot of loss of joy, because people do not understand this very countercultural principle. So I want to try and answer uh, over the course of, of today and, and next week, I want to answer three questions. So uh, the first question is, what exactly is forgiveness? The second question is, why should we forgive? And the third is, how do we do it? And in particular, I mean, uh, how do we do it if we say, I can't? I mean, some people will say, I think it's a bad idea. I think it's a bad plan. I'm not going there. And there's, there's something, you know, fun. I mean, righteous anger can be a really pleasant emotion. Like, you know, I sort of, I, I, I'm, I, it stokes me up. So uh, some people just go, no, I'm not going there. 
But other people say, I would like to forgive that person, but it's just not possible. I can't do it, right? I can't let go. And so how are you thinking? How, how can I do this? And so uh, I want to I be really clear uh, on that topic next week. So first of all, there's a lot of ground to cover on what exactly is forgiveness. So let me start by telling you what it's not. So forgiving is not the same thing as forgetting. Uh, I understand that in Isaiah 43, uh, we're told that uh, you know, God will remember our sin no more. And um, so there's a sense in which some people think, well, I, I, need, to, I need to forgive and forget. Okay. Well, um, forgiving is an act of the will, and forgetting can't be. Right? If you have to remind yourself to, to forget something, right? it's just sort of a self-defeating exercise. Right? You just can't do it. So, so it could be that if you forgive somebody, that you forget what goes on. Because a lot of the power will go away. A lot of the, uh, a lot of the emotion will just drop off the radar. And so it's possible that you can, in fact, forget what um, someone has done to hurt you. Um, but some hurts, cannot be for, some hurts cannot be forgotten, right? This little girl that doesn't have a hand, can't, she can't forget that, right? It's, just, it's not going to happen. So forgiving and forgetting um, may be linked, but they're not the same thing. We're not expected to forget always what someone has done to hurt us. Secondly, uh, forgiving is not the same thing as condoning or dismissing. It's not saying, oh, well, you know, whatever. It was no big deal, or, you know, you didn't mean it, or uh, boys will be boys, or, you know, whatever. It's, that's, that's not um, forgiving. So, um, obviously, there are uh, times when some of the things that someone asks us to forgive or that we should forgive are not big deals, right? They're just, they're small things, right? So if someone's late for a meeting because they got caught in traffic or they went to the wrong place or they bump into you, right, and they say, forgive, forgive me, I didn't mean to do that, right? Um, you know, just saying, oh, it's, it's no big deal, right? It's, it's, because it's not, right? It's not a big deal. But if it's not a big deal, then we probably don't actually have to go into this sort of moral economy and figure out how we're going to forgive somebody for hurting us. Um, forgiving is not passing something significant off as being insignificant and saying it didn't matter when, in fact, maybe it did matter. Right? So this, again, I'll, I'll go back to this girl. It's why I went ahead and used the picture. Um, if, if her, right, if the person who, who cut her hand off were to come to her now and say, what I did was horrific and barbaric and, oh, my goodness, would you, is there any way that you could find it in, in your heart to forgive me for what I did? Okay, she's not going to be able to say it's no big deal. Right? She can't. Some of you have been hurt in ways where you, you cannot say it's no big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. And so forgiving somebody is not in any sense dimi- dis- diminishing the wrong that was done. A fourth thing that um, forgiving is not is it's not necessarily reconciliation with the person. It may be. 
Forgiving may lead to reconciliation, but reconciliation involves actions with another person, and we don't always control those. So in Romans chapter 12, Paul tells us, to the extent possible, live at peace with all people. But there are some people who are not going to allow us to live at peace with them, right? And we can do whatever we can do, but they may not be willing to, to comply. I mentioned last week I was reading this novel by Paul Meyer, uh, this ancient historian, and he's, uh, he's written a, a bunch of novels. I, I ran across him as a scholar. Uh, he's written a bunch of novels. Some of you came up to me and said, oh, I've read Meyer's stuff, and I didn't know, I didn't know anything about him. He is uh, a Christ follower. He's writing these books to try and persuade people. I sort of got that impression from his scholarship because he was arguing that we had great reasons to believe that Jesus was God, but it was very scholarly, so he didn't ever really, you know, there was no call to faith, and so I assumed, but I didn't know. Some of you were reading um, some of his other books and recommended them. In the book I'm reading called The Flames of Rome, uh, he's recounting how Nero uh, sets fire to Rome in order to clear out a whole area so that he can expand a palace. We think this happened. There was a huge fire. Uh, We think Meyer argues some of it was caused accidentally, but then when Nero saw what was happening, he sort of said, we need the fire to go here. I've always wanted to clear this thing out. Lots of people die. People start to blame Nero, and so Nero and others blamed the church, blamed Christians. And so, and this is, so Christians were martyred at this point, right, in horrific ways. And Uh, he's telling the story of all the cruel, unbelievable ways that Nero is having Christians killed and in public displays and games to sort of uh, get everybody rooting against Christians. And he has a scene in which Peter is being crucified and forgives Nero. Now, we believe tradition would hold, it's conjecture, tradition would hold that Peter was crucified. Some would say he was crucified upside down because he said, I am not worthy to die the same way Jesus died. But we don't know that for for a fact. We know that that Peter uh, likely dies at at Nero's hand, uh, close to 70 AD. And so there's this uh, moment where uh, Peter's being crucified, and and Nero walks by, and Peter says, you know, Caesar, uh, I want you to know. Um, we forgive you for what you're doing. We're innocent of this fire, but we forgive you. And Nero's response is, <laughs> you can't forgive me. <laughs> right? I don't acknowledge your right to have an opinion about me. Right? I mean, so there, there's no reconciliation that's going to happen there between Peter and Nero. Sometimes reconciliation does result because we ask forgiveness from somebody. But forgiveness and reconciliation technically are not the same thing. So, what exactly is forgiveness? In the New Testament, there are three different words that are used to describe forgiveness. 
Uh, one of them means, and it's used in Ephesians 4, it means to be uh, loving and merciful, right? We are to forgive one another. We're to be um, tender-hearted and forgiving of other people, Ephesians 4.32. That word gets used. There's another word used in, in Luke's gospel, actually, in Luke uh, 6, that means to cancel an obligation. Forgive and it will be forgiven unto you. Sort of a little bit more of a legal idea, a uh, contractual idea. The big word, the main word, Right, the word that's, that, that gets used more often in the New Testament uh, for forgiveness in the Bible is, is a word that suggests that we throw something away, that we hurl it away from us. Um, so we throw away our, our hurt, we throw away our desire to get even. Right? We're going to move emotionally into a different place. Now, please understand, I'm not suggesting for a moment that forgiving people something grievous is easy. I'm not suggesting that we're not going to have emotions. When we're wronged, right, we want to wrong back, right? That's sort of the first response that we have. When somebody hurts us, especially if we think they did it on purpose, right, we get angry. Anger may or may not be the wrong response. Jesus gets angry. Anger is not necessarily a sin. The question is, what are we going to do with that anger? And anger, we're told, when you're angry, don't sin. Because when we get angry, we start feeling and we can get out ahead of our skis and we can do the wrong thing. And so the question when we get angry is, what are we going to do with that anger? Is it going to be an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? Or are we going to step back and, and acknowledge the anger and acknowledge that we've been wronged And then move into some spot where we say, but my Lord and Savior tells me in in the Sermon on the Mount and other places that I am to love those people uh, who are my friends and my neighbors and my enemies, right? And I'm not to wish them harm. So what would it look like for me to love this person? Um, So this is hard. Now, again, I want to be clear. I'm not suggesting that forgiving somebody is easy. I am not suggesting that we become a dish rag. You know, that we just, that we just let somebody step all over us. I am not suggesting that we put a smiley face on what's going on and say, oh, I'm fine and, you know, everything's going to be fine. I am not suggesting that we let somebody get away with it. Uh, because, in fact, Jesus doesn't suggest that. I'm not suggesting that we choose to trust somebody that is proven to be untrustworthy. Especially if that means we're putting somebody else in harm's way. Especially if it was a child, right? We can't can't say, okay, I've forgiven this person, so I'm going to trust them even though they have proven to not be trustworthy. In this passage, verse 3, Luke 17, Jesus says, right, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. Okay, so now some of you are thinking, okay, well, yeah, I'm all over that. That's, now we're talking. I like the sound of rebuke. Okay, uh, be careful. So, Matthew 18 is another passage that we would look to and sort of hold up in parallel to Luke 17. Uh, We're called to rebuke somebody because, in fact, That would be the loving response. But 
if, uh, if you are not in the emotional position to actually be wanting what's right for this person, then probably you're not ready to be rebuking. Now it's probably you're just subtly looking for an opportunity to hurt them like they hurt you. So here's the definition of forgiveness um, that I cobbled together. Forgiveness is the heartfelt, loving response towards another person who has hurt you. It means surrendering your right to get even, to, uh, to inflict at least as much pain as they inflicted on you. It means leaving those matters to the Lord. And it goes beyond that. It means over time getting to the point where you wish them well. Now some of you are thinking, okay, well, uh, wow, pastor, you, but you live in sort of the Christian world and uh, I don't. And so uh, that's not possible. Again, uh, I, would, I would just get run all over. I'm, I'm working in the world of, of business or it's just, yeah, you can't go that way. Uh, or again, I have tried to forgive somebody for what they did to me, but I can't. I can't, right? It just, I, I just can't let go of that. So again, I want to say, if you're in that spot, right, you're carrying a lot of, you're, it, that takes a lot of energy. <laughs> it takes a lot of energy to be angry. It takes a lot of energy uh, to be mad, to, to hate. It takes a lot of energy to be looking for revenge. So you've got to come back next week. If you know somebody, one of your friends, who's stuck Right? Just, they're just stuck. You can see it. Maybe they can see it. Maybe they can't see it. But they're stuck. Then uh, I want for sure for you to invite them to come back because we're going to look very specifically at um, how we are coached to move beyond that spot. And uh, right now what I want to do is I want to go to the second question. So uh, it's, it's all sort of ties together. What is forgiveness? The second question is, why should I forgive? And here, uh, there are a handful of reasons. So the first one comes out of uh, Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 11, uh, verse 25. Jesus is talking about prayer, and he's talking about when we're praying. And he says in verse 26 of Mark chapter 11, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So the first thing I would say is um, we're commanded to forgive. In in Mark 11 and numerous other places, we're commanded to forgive. Uh, we We are commanded to forgive in part because we are expecting to be forgiven by God and by others. And there's just, we're just, this is just trying to set up a little bit of something that's going to be working both, both directions. Most of us know, not everybody, but most of us know that we're pretty messed up, right? That we're pretty broken. And we can't, we can't keep our own standards, say to say nothing of God's standards, right? We've got ideals, we've got, and we work hard and we're disciplined. But you know what? There are times when we just don't live up to that. Sometimes we're trying and we fall short. Sometimes we don't even want to try. And most of us get that we're broken and that we're sinful. And uh, uh, again, not everybody, but 
the way this should work in your life, if you know God, is that uh, the, the longer you walk with God, right, conversion, the longer you're walking with God after you've placed your faith in Christ, the bigger God gets. And the better you get, but the worse you understand yourself to be. Okay? So there is improvement. There is, there is improvement in your life. But you realize you thought God was here, he's actually here. You thought holiness looked like this, it actually looks like this. And you start to realize, you know, I was sort of just looking at myself this way. If I really unpack this, it's a little bit darker. And so the longer we go, the more we realize, wow, God is here and I'm down here. And, and my, my performance, my execution, my, my, my Christian life is actually better. I am more loving. I am more thoughtful. I am more caring. I do see growth, but yeah, I'm not where I thought I was. And I'm never, I'm not getting there, right? So the, some of the most godly people that I have ever had the opportunity to spend time with, right? Really, really, really did not like it if you said something like, so what's it like to be so godly, right? So what's it like to be so close to Jesus, right? And they're just like, uh, no, 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 no. You do not understand what's going on. So when, when this happens, when we see clarity on this, then we just come to an understanding that that grace has to be that much bigger, right? And when we understand the grace that is being extended to us by God or by other people, then uh, it just should happen that we want to be gracious to others. When you start to understand what kind of credit gifts, you know, what kind of love is being extended to you, you just start to go, okay, I need to extend that to other people. So, We are commanded to do that because it only makes sense. Why should you forgive? Because, in fact, you have been forgiven by God and others, and God is commanding us to uh, forgive others. The second reason that we should forgive is because um, there are ways in Scripture that seem to me to imply that the forgiveness that we're going to enjoy from God is somehow linked to our willingness to forgive others. So these are the, the, the this is one of the these are one of the scarier passages. Uh, for instance, in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors." Forgive us our sins, our trespasses, whatever word you want to use. But many scholars translate that. Forgive us our sins to the extent that we forgive the sins of those who sinned against us. Right? Now, uh, okay. Well, if that's the way this is going to work, I want to write a big check to other people. Right? Because I want a big check coming back at me, right? I want to treat other people with grace because I want to be treated with grace. I want to give other people the benefit of the doubt because I want the benefit of the doubt, right? And so uh, I think we just have to understand. I've, I've, this is one of those areas where I, I'm, I'm not willing to say that's exactly the way it works. I, I've pushed on these things for years trying to get it clearly and, and tightly, definitively answered. I can't do that to my satisfaction. But it just seems to always be hanging out there. 
So uh, that's a third reason. Um, or that's a second reason. A third reason. Uh, to not forgive is not only an act of disobedience in contrast to our own experience, but it's also personally destructive. And this is what I was saying. It takes a lot of energy uh, to not forgive somebody. It takes a lot of emotions. It takes a lot of just, it's work uh, to hold on to that. And you've heard this illustration, but I think it's, a, it's an effective one, right? Not forgiving somebody is like drinking poison and hoping they get sick. Um, it's not the way it's going to work. And so uh, it is personally destructive to not process this. It's, by the way, I'd back up to this whole idea. I say most people get that they're, uh, most people get that they're broken. We sort of keep a lot of that a secret. Uh, and, and in public society, that's fine. That's, that's appropriate. You shouldn't be confessing your sins to everybody. But you really ought to be confessing your sins to somebody. Because there's nothing quite as freeing as realizing, again, God knows the worst about me, these people know the worst about me, and they still love me. Right? It's not, they don't love me because they don't know me. <laughs> right? They, they know the worst about me, and they're for me. God knows the worst about me. God knows the worst about you. Okay? So this isn't, with God, it isn't a matter that you confess it so that he goes, oh, I didn't know that. No, he knows. Uh, so it's just a matter of just you admitting that he knows and then reminding yourself and hearing again. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, right? Faithful and just, by the way, it would be unjust for God to punish us for sins that Jesus has already bore the penalty for. We would expect, we would expect that statement to say, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and unjust. He will not hold us accountable for our sins. But it says he is faithful and just because if we confess our sins, those sins go to Christ. And so it's, it's enormously freeing to admit, I'm a broken person. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a sinner. I'm saved by grace. And, and I get it. And I'm not going to tell you that I'm a great person. It's enormously freeing to do that. And it's enormously freeing to forgive people when you get to that spot. So then uh, the, final, uh, the final reason to forgive somebody is because this breaks a cycle of blame and pain that otherwise is just going to continue. You know, in a culture where it says an eye for an eye, uh, everybody ends up blind, right? Because you just never agree on who, who's, when you're even. And if people don't go to get even, they go to get more. And, and, and if we're going to break that cycle of hurting people, then uh, somebody has to lead. And so this is, it's hard. It's, it's radical. It's outrageous, right? This, ser- this sermon series is called Outrageous. It's outrageous advice, but it's very wise advice. So we have been commanded to forgive those who hurt us. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for uh, wisdom that transcends our own. Uh, We thank you for the teaching of Jesus, the example of Jesus. I want to pray um, for people who come in uh, today with lots of hurt and uh, they've been wronged, grievously wronged, uh, unconscionably wronged, and... uh, And now this idea is 
that they just need to let go of that and trust you with that and move to a spot of actually wishing the person who hurt them well. Um, That's crazy talk. And we acknowledge it as crazy talk and we acknowledge it as wisdom from you. So I pray, Spirit of God, work in our hearts. Help us to see um, help us to see ourselves more clearly. Help us to see you. Help us to see the grace and mercy that's been extended to us. And I want to pray that you'd help people take steps forward uh, today and <clears throat> next week as we continue to look at this very specific counsel to forgive those who've wronged us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.